my degree is just as valuable as yours. My voice is just as valuable as yours. So people always talk about, oh, I'm trying to get a seat at the table. No, literally sit at the table. episode of the Delaware College Scholars Podcast. We had a very special guest on for this episode, and I'm really excited to have you guys listen to my conversation with Dr. Yanita Pritchett. For those who are unfamiliar with Dr. Pritchett, she is an executive leadership coach, a chemist, an educator, an artist, and a little everything else in between. A proud HBCU alum and PhD graduate from the University of Illinois at Chicago, Dr. Pritchett is committed to ensuring that the next generation are empowered to pursue careers in STEAM. She gave a lot of advice to our scholars, especially our young women of color, as they begin to chart their own paths. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and I encourage you to follow Dr. Pritchett on all social media platforms to hear about the amazing initiative she has spearheaded in the STEAM of Forward Academy and facilitate to motivate. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the Delaware College Scholars Podcast. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, how's it going? It's great. It's great. Everything is good. How, how about yourself? I can't complain. You know, it's it's almost Friday, so I'm yep. in a good space. <laughs> how about yourself? Yes, everything is going well. Busy, but um, this is the best part of my day because I get to just have a conversation and do the podcast. So I always look forward to these uh, to having our guest speaker. So um, this is this conversation isn't isn't any different. Yeah, so. Dr. Prashad, I want you to uh, kind of, well, with every guest, I have them kind of walk us through the arc of their career. And essentially, you know, what that means is just kind of explain, or in your case, explain how you got into a career in STEM, that moment where you knew that that was something that you were passionate about, to some of the work that you're doing now. Absolutely. So thank you so much. So hi, audience. My name is Dr. Janita Pritchett. Um, and I'm really honored to be here. This this conversation has been in the works for some time now, so it's, I'm delighted to be here talking with y'all. So how did I get into STEM? I love that question because it always just makes me reflect back to my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, my first introduction to STEM, again, science, technology, engineering, and math, comes from my parents. Um, my parents were both nuclear engineers, and they really did everything they could to expose myself my brother, my sister, to opportunities in STEM. So we were in computer camps. We had microscope when we were younger and take your sons and daughters to work day. So we were always immersed in the world of of science. And so I was that kind of nerdy kid that loved rocks and loved to be outside and loved to, you know, everything that was what, you know, typically would not be seen as cool. Um, And I really think that um, my high school teacher uh, high school chemistry teacher, who, he is who really um, instilled me the idea of becoming a chemist and mm-hmm. actually pursuing chemistry as a degree. Um, I will admit when I was uh, in 10th grade, I was in that too cool for school mode. So I was, uh, you know, not doing homework. I didn't want to be the smart girl anymore. I wanted to be the cool girl or whatever. Um, so I was not doing work. I wasn't doing assignments like I should and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And my, I will never forget this moment. My high school teacher, he pulled me to the side at one of um, like the semester check-ins the nine week check-ins mm-hmm. and he showed me a list of grades and he was like so you see this these are all the a's these are the b's he was like but that last a there that's you 
And he was like, now you didn't earn that A. He was like, you were right there. You're so close, but you, you didn't earn it. And he was like, but I know you can. Like, I know that you understand what's happening. And I know that you can do this, but you're, for whatever reason, you're not doing it. So when he said that, something it was like a spark ignited in me. And I was like, oh, word. So I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hand out. Like, yeah, I learned this. Right. And so they're on. I literally just started applying myself more um, and was able to earn the A for the remaining um, nine weeks, every nine weeks that we would get grades. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I would just come back and help um, as a teaching assistant. So I got my first experience tutoring people and setting up laboratories at a very young age. Um, so then we we fast forward to where how I got here. So I've been on a journey. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I went to Tennessee State University for undergraduate. It was the HBCU. I'm a proud HBCU alum. Yes, sir. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> and then I decided to go to University of Illinois at Chicago for my PhD. Um, I got a PhD in analytical chemistry with a concentration in forensic chemistry because at that time I was super interested in forensic files and trying to figure out who done it, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> Paul, well, pause real quick. Why? Yeah. What prompted you to further your, you know, your studies in, uh, in, in analytical, analytical chemistry? Like, why? Why the PhD? Oh, it's a great question. So uh, t- it was twofold, right? Uh-huh. So why did I choose analytical chemistry? Well, I had done a lot of internships along the way when I was an undergrad, and I realized I didn't really care for organic chemistry. I didn't really care for inorganic chemistry, yeah. but I love being able to like take things and break them apart and figure mm. out what was in there. So that's where my love for analytical chemi- chemistry came from and the math that was behind it. It's a lot of math. Did you um, have- now that I... Did Go you start? I'm I'm sorry for cutting you off. I just you're you're putting in nuggets, and I'm like I got to jump in while 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 you, while it's hot. Did you have anybody guiding you in that process, or you just kind of had that awareness to know? Okay, I know myself, and this is the best sort of field for me to capitalize on the strengths that I have. Like, how did you come to that? Uh, that you know so that, that realization. That I mean, is a great question because a lot of people don't have the guidance there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had you know two kind of two parts of guidance. So one, I could always turn to my parents about like right. you know this um, feeling. I'm not really doing that good in this class, or I just hate this class. So what you know what are your thoughts? Um, but then I was also in a program called the Minority Access to Research Careers um, Fellowship Program, and what they really worked on is helping us to develop some of those soft skills and those professional skills that help you make these kind of tough decisions. Mm-hmm. And they also also made us do internships so like actually doing internships and figuring out like get that hands-on experience and I think one of my first advisors that I had um, Tara Meyer from University of Pittsburgh she told me she was just like you know think of an internship more so of a way to figure out what you don't like not necessarily because you can like you can think you like a lot of things but in the internship that's where you find out like okay it looked really cool on tv huh. but when you get in the hands-on and do it the day-to-day that's where you figure out like mm, maybe I, this isn't for me mm. so i was good at it but it just it, it wasn't for me but i really liked um the analytical techniques that i was using to characterize some of the things that i was synthesizing so i was like okay i don't really like to build it but i want to i like the I, ability to confirm what i've made okay and so um, that was a big piece that that played into that. And then um, as part of why I chose to get a PhD, well, as a stipulation of being a Mark Fellow in that program, they wanted their graduates to go on to get PhDs. Um, that was a, a marker for success for the program. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to honor that. I want to, and I, you know, looking back, a lot of my, 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 
colleagues, they went to get um, PharmDs or MDs. They were like, oh, I'm not, you know, who cares what that said yeah, to me? I was yeah. just like, well, it said I have to get a PhD, yeah. so I'm going to go get a PhD. And that, that, that was really my, my mindset. Looking back, I mean, I, that was a good decision. Would I have done something differently? Who knows? I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have no regrets really in, in the, where my career has been able to take me. Um, and then I chose University of Illinois, Chicago for a couple reasons. One, um, I wanted to be paid while I was in graduate school. Um, Firm believer, if you're getting a degree in STEM, especially a PhD, you should not have to pay a dime really for your education. Um, Two, you should also be able to earn money while Mm -hmm. you're there. So working as a teaching assistant or through additional scholarships or fellowships or as a research assistant and of which they were offering a teaching assistantship and uh, an additional fellowship um, because I'm a woman of of color in Mm -hmm. STEM. Um, and then they also had, I knew I wanted to go the route of taking forensic science classes, but not major in forensic science. Um, uh-huh. That was intentional. Um, I always kind of had the idea, I, I don't really like to be pigeonholed into one area. And I felt that by getting a degree specifically in forensic science, that meant I was, that's, that's the route I'm, you know, I'm going into. Mm-hmm. But if I learned the techniques that I needed for the, the pieces of forensic science that I liked, but got a degree elsewhere, that, that would just make me more marketable and as an analytical chemist um, people have jobs available all the time in that realm whether it's industry government academia um, there's always a need for uh, people that have analytical chemistry backgrounds forensic science is definitely a more niche type of area Mm -hmm. and so I just had that kind of um, foresight to think like I, I don't know that that's ultimately where I'm going to end up. And then especially I was, I was taking some of the classes and hearing some of the stories from the uh, people that were working in the laboratories about how routine their lives were and things like that. I was like, eh, I don't really know that that's something I want to commit to. But that's how I, I chose um, UIC and going for a PhD. And mm-hmm. I so did not get a master's um, for those that are not familiar with kind of the, the, the traditional path. A lot of people will do a bachelor's degree a master's degree, and then PhD. I did bachelor's degree, PhD. So in the interim, during those hard, you know, second and third year woes when I was not getting results the way I thought I should be doing as this fantastic graduate student scientist, um, you know, if I would have chose to leave my program, I would not have had a degree. So I would not have had a a master's, you know. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's so, yeah. It's kind of like an incentive to stay in the program. Like if you... If you leave, or if I if I wanted to leave, I would have had to do extra things. It would okay. not have just been automatically afforded to me, despite having the years in 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 service. Because I was going to say that, like I know a couple of people who are working on their on their doctorates or their PhDs, and if they were to stop, like after that first year or first two years, then they would have they could get the you know still get the masters. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, that's interesting. But I mean, like you said, that's it's an incentive. Whenever you're when you're interviewing graduate schools, and that's something that's you know the idea of just going straight through to get a PhD is on the table. Mm-hmm. That's a question to ask. Like, so if life happens and I have to stop, what what would do, if I you know in two years am I automatically awarded a master's or is right. it you know a no go point? So gotcha. um, yeah. So let's fast forward. So I know a little bit about this story because you've already talked to me offsite, but our audience doesn't know. So you work, you were a chemist. I mean, you still are a chemist. I'm not going to take that, but you are not, you weren't in the, you're not in a laboratory anymore. So I want you to kind of talk about that experience, some of the challenges and successes that you saw during that, during that, uh, during that time. But then what ultimately motivated you to start steam forward um, and then uh, facilitate to motivate? Like that's, I know, I mean, I want us to get into that too. 
course, of course. Yeah, so I, I that's my pivot moment, right? Yep. So yeah, I'm always a chemist. You can see there's science stuff mm-hmm. around my house all, all day long. I'm a chemist at heart. But for me, I ultimately knew working in the lab um, was not going to fulfill me in the way that I needed it. Um, I was really great in the lab. I had you know developed a strong expertise in separation sciences and um, mass spectrometry, but I, I felt sometimes very isolated working in the laboratory. I'm a, I'm a social person. I mm-hmm. like to connect with people. And sometimes working in the lab, you're by yourself. There would be days that I would literally spend from you know, sun up to sundown working up a sample and then I don't talk to anybody. Yeah. And, there yeah. were t- and then whenever you do that and nothing works, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, what am I doing this? <laughs> so I think I probably had a few of those days back to back and I, I started with thinking about, okay, what's my strategy? What's what's next, right? Mm-hmm. So I had start, I did a postdoc um, immediately after finish. Well, I taught for a year, then did a postdoc. Um, and then I secured a position as a permanent research scientist. And so it was at that point, once I knew I had kind of a comfort zone established, then I could start thinking about, okay, when, when's my pivot going to happen, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, I've always been far more excited of getting other people excited about science and helping other people up, you know, uplift themselves to do better in science than any project I've ever worked on in the yeah. lab. Yeah. And so I started looking for a variety of opportunities that would allow me to flex that muscle to really show that. And so I would talk about my desires about getting out of the lab, um, you know, often to people. And um, I had a couple of opportunities just that kind of landed um, succinctly uh, to allow me to do that. So I, I went as an embassy science fellow to South Africa for a few months to work on STEM education curriculum development for South Africa. When I came back, I was a scientific advisor and helping to that. think about the strategic direction of the laboratory. Yeah. And then the position that I work in now is my full-time job. I, I work as a program manager. And so I actually manage the very program that brought me to my organization is the program I manage. And okay. so now I'm actually like the gatekeeper to opportunities for people. So for me, that pivot moment, you know, started, you know, I started laying the seeds down very early in my career Mm -hmm. so that I could be doing exactly what I'm what I'm doing now. Um, You would ask about some challenges that I face as a woman and woman of color in this field. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't look like a chemist. Right. Right, right. I I don't look like the typical person. So there would definitely be times that people would walk into a laboratory and ask me, like, oh, well, where's the the head scientist of this project? I'm like me. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. When I got to the scientific, you know, the, the, that advising mm-hmm. role, um, people would walk into the room and say, oh, well, can you go grab me some coffee? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm joining the meeting, too. Is there right. is someone doing a coffee run? Let me know, because I would love to get some coffee, too. Um, so there's um, definitely perceptions that um, of what my expertise was. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being in meetings and, and proposing certain ideas and not feeling like my, my ideas were being heard simply because it was coming from the little brown girl, as opposed to, you know, the next person saying the exact same thing. Mm. and it being you know valued so you know those, those are things that i think are not an isolated experience for myself but i think it's something that i've heard echoed across all of the many women of color and stem that i that i know um now if we fast forward a little bit to what really um, spearheaded you know jumping off uh steam forward and facilitate to motivate so i have always had kind of this this bug to help other people out mm-hmm. right that's my thing people come to me for advice or you know for whatever um so facilitate to motivate timing wise so steam forward technically started before facilitate to motivate did but steam forward started off more of just like i want to start doing something cool for people so yeah. let's start doing uh demos for people and do you think but do you think part of this this passion for wanting to help people like stem from like or some of the lessons that your parents instilled in you too in terms of having those resources and then wanting to pay it for for others Absolutely. who didn't yeah Absolutely. 
Okay. Yeah, no, they, I, I, you know, when I think a lot about my career, it, it, it mimics so much of my parents yeah. that almost like uncanny, like there's some things I'm like, oh my goodness, like I didn't even realize that, you know, the things I'm doing, how much they align to what you all did. But yeah, they, they were constantly, and no, it wasn't just my, my brother, my sisters, my cousins, it was the neighborhood kids, like they were just constantly, you know, feeding into other people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that that definitely has impacted how I move and, and things. Um, but yeah, so speaking forward, both Steve Ford and Facilitate to Motivate, um, as they exist now, were really born out of um, uh, looking for the silver lining in a storm, right? So for uh, Steve Ford, again, it was, it was more just kind of ad hoc, do a couple of things in the summertime, and then I would kind of put it to the back burner throughout the, throughout the school year. Um, but it was during the pandemic mm-hmm. that actually someone reached out to me and said, hey, you know, my, my daughter's having a birthday party. And um, we want to do something fun, but it's got to be virtual. We thought about all the science stuff we used to do. Is that something you would consider? And I was like, no, I hadn't thought about it. But sure, why not? I don't really turn down too many challenges. Like I'll try most things at least once. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, we'll put together, you know, put together pricing and everything like that. So cool, did it. And it was wildly successful. And I was just like, okay, so this worked. Like I can still communicate science to kids in a virtual platform. Mm-hmm. So then um, from the engagement I had in South Africa for Africa before, they reached out to me and said, hey, we saw that you did this birthday party. We can't do our conference right now or you know, our, our annual convention yeah. can put on some demos for us. I'm wow. like, sure, yeah, why not? <laughs> like, we're doing that. So then, you know, now it's like August, you know, and we're still in the pandemic mm-hmm. situation. So very clear, we're not going back to school or at least not in person. And so I saw it as an opportunity, like, okay, this is clearly a need. And I actually had parents reaching out to me like, um, are you going to be doing anything for the school year? Because my child is not going to have any hands on science. And so I was like, you know what? This is a sign. Let's just do it. So we decided to launch. I called up some friends, some of my, my fellow sisters in STEM and said, hey, look, I have this idea. I've been doing it. I think it could be even better with some friends. Um, are y'all on board? And that's kind of how it, it kicked off. So we're actually going into our third cohort wow. um, starting next weekend. Yep. Um, it's, it's so exciting. And we've had kids literally from across the U.S. join us in um, some of our workshops. So it's just been phenomenal. And, you know, we really focus on showcasing that STEM is everywhere around them and helping them make connections to um, the baking soda that they have. And, and not just teaching them like, oh, this is cool to mix these things together, but teaching them the vocabulary, yeah. teaching them the science behind it so that they can come back later on and, and repeat it, uh, you know, or try things on on their own. So that really has been the driver for, for Steam Board. And really you know, the, the mission statement is that we are encouraging youth to explore STEM or STEAM, which is STEM plus arts, mm-hmm. with confidence, curiosity, enthusiasm, and a genuine sense of belonging. And that's so important because all of the instructors look like me. Um, okay. So they're women of, of color. They all have PhDs. They all are bosses in their fields. And so to have that representation to the kids, hearing them, you know, we you know refer to each other as doctors. So it's like, we're instilling to them that this is something that you could be. Right. This is something that, you, you know, there's no, and I'll show up with my, my hair in a fro or whatever. You know, we have people with locks, people, yeah. you know, who bring our authentic selves to the, um, to the screen so that they don't think they have to conform or change in order to be in this field. Um, that's so powerful. So, that's so powerful because that's one of the major challenges. I mean, I don't, I'm not a woman nor, I mean, but I, I am a man, but I have my fiance. She is a, a cancer researcher. And one thing that she also, I mean, always talks about is a lack of visibility, you know, being mm-hmm. one of the, the only one in her, uh, in her institute. 
and uh, not having that belonging. So I think I, I just can imagine just how powerful that is for for uh, young kids to see that just from the jump early on, you know, and they yeah. know that that's uh, that's the norm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not it's not something that's it's like like a the unicorn that's out of here, right, right. right. Like a, a, a cohort of six women actually now seven. We just added a seventh instructor for mm-hmm. this round. So you're seeing seven very intelligent, very articulate, very successful black women that are working as you know phenomenal scientists in their field, and then they're still giving up their Saturday mornings to come pour into you. Yeah. Um. So that message. I mean, I, it's 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 what this painting is showing, right? right? showing this little girl that's envisioning herself as an authentic black woman as a scientist and that's the message that we really are trying to push towards towards the to the youth um and so then if we look on the flip side right so the flip side facilitate to motivate Mm -hmm. now facilitate to motivate that actually was also born out of uh, out of chaos right so we were uh, myself and my co-founders we were furloughed at the time so Mm -hmm. furloughed means we're not working yeah we weren't working for quite some time like i think it was six weeks that we weren't working maybe even longer than that. Um, but we had had these conversations and have been doing like kind of informal workshops with people. Again, people always seem to gravitate to us to ask us for advice. Um, I had also just recently finished getting certified to be a coach and, and um, I was mentoring people. So we we're giving all this advice about these, these, these um, like uh, uh, ideas and tools that people could use to help uplift themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're, we were firm believers and still are firm believers that as we continue to grow in our careers, we want to pick that next generation right. up, the people behind us, whether that be, a person in uh, kindergarten or it's a person that just finished their PhD. I want to help them get to the next level because like I said, not everybody had someone like my parents that were right. showing me the way. Um, and so really, yeah, the pandemic hit or not pandemic. It's almost the same thing. Yeah. The furlough hit. And uh, we just, you know, idle minds get to get to thinking. And uh, we just started like, Hey, you know, what would this look like? What are some things we might want to offer? Who, who would our target part of audience be? And so we, we just kind of came together and aligned our, our forces are, we all have backgrounds um, in, well, a variety of backgrounds, quite honestly. So uh, myself and one of the co-founders, we have backgrounds in science and technology. And then our other co-founder, she has a background in social and emotional learning. Mm. And so by combining those ideas, plus just the breadth of like real life experience that we have, we've been able to come up with several programs that are really designed to really up-level anybody, um, whether that be an early career scientist, a young child, uh, or it's someone that's you know mid career and they're just looking for a pivot and not really sure what direction they should be taking. Um, and so we now have been around. This is our third year in business, which is crazy. Wow. Um, wow. And um, you know just continuing to grow and the um, you know the the contracts that we've been able to secure, the people that we've been able to network with have just been phenomenal. So scientists at heart, but at this point now. You know, I'm really focused on, you know, my, one of my, my, you know, if you look at my Instagram or my tagline on my, my website, it's one of those, like, from inspiring youth to empowering leaders, my mission is to help others find their place in STEM. Mm. So it's, you know, I'm going to inspire a child, or I'm going to empower you to go after whatever it is that you want in your career. So. Wow. Wow. I mean, look, I just had to let that sit for a while because that was just, that was powerful. I, I mean, I'm really just, uh. Happy that I know you and just to hear, you know, the impact that your work is having um, is inspirational. As I just look at a lot of the scholars that uh, that we serve at Delaware College Scholars, so many of them want to enter into STEM related fields, you know, but like you were saying, they may not have the re- the resources or even the, the knowledge to know what they don't know, you know. And so it's about exposing them to those careers um, and those different path pathways, not just, you don't have to just be a doctor or a nurse. There's so many different, 
you know, pathway. So, I mean, it's kind of a good segue to the next question I wanted to ask you, like, what advice would you give them, especially our women of color who are looking to pursue those paths? So one is, you know, try to arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I remember when I was younger thinking that if I have a degree in this, you know, let's take chemistry, yeah. that means I can only do this small subset of things, right? Never in my wildest dreams would I think that as a chemist, I would have positions where I'm able to travel the world. I'm able to do, you know, speaking engagements for people. Like there's so many things that you can do with having a degree. So one is just arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible mm -hmm. of what 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 is possible. Like right. what are the options? Where are the routes that I can go? So a lot of that's going to come from you networking with people. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that are thinking about going into any, any field, but specifically STEM, start networking as as early as you can that's some sage advice i received from one of my mentors very early on in my career and it's again not only just networking from the sake of oh let's connect on social media or let's connect on linkedin but actually develop fruitful connections talk to them about what it is that you want to do where you see yourself going mm -hmm. and what it is that you can do so that when opportunities come up they can already have you in mind to right. think about oh right. i need to i need to ping you for this like i didn't i didn't mention this earlier but the last what, three jobs that I've had, formal jobs that I've had, I didn't apply for. Mm -hmm. Someone came to me and said, oh, I, we have this opportunity. I know you're interested in this. Are you, you know, would you like to step into it? So, and that happened because of networking. So mm -hmm. um, that, that would be definitely one thing. Um, also, you know, find a community of people that you can lean into for support because there, it's, it's, there are going to be days that you're the only person that looks like you. And having a strong support system uh, that you can go to when you're feeling down, people that can motivate you, that's going to be critical. Um, and also just, you know, start working on yourself. Start working on your self-confidence. Start working on, you know, affirming to yourself that you believe in, you uh, belong in a specific area or that you deserve something or that you're valuable or mm -hmm. that your voice needs to be heard. The more you say that, the less likely it is that somebody can take that away from you when you're in a meeting and they try to speak over you. <laughs> or if they try not to have you be involved in the conversation. Yeah. And then probably the biggest piece of advice I would give anybody, especially early career scientists or early career uh, women at any, any, again, any discipline, but scientists specifically. Yeah. And this sounds so like basic, what I'm about to say, because you yeah. always hear the saying, right? <laughs> not get a seat at the table, right? I'm trying to get a seat at the table. Right, right. So it's not just a, a proverbial table like actually sit at the table. Like if you are at a meeting, if you're in a situation where there's a table of people talking and you have an opportunity to sit at that table, I'm not saying no, bum rush someone to even right, see. Right, right. <laughs> if you walk into the room, what I, I sit back and see this all the time. You walk into a room and there's a table, right? And then there's maybe like some out, uh, chairs on the outside perimeter of that table. Chairs at the table, chairs outside. Nine times out of ten, I always see women of color go to those outside seats. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Come on. Yeah. Sit here. Sit here. Your voice that that automatically gives you the authority to add your, your voice to the conversation. Mm -hmm. That automatically puts you as an equal with everybody that's at that table. Um, I I literally I remember we I had a new person join my group um, a few years back and she sat, those black women sat on the outskirts. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Don't yeah. <laughs> Right about For real, yeah. She's like, oh, I don't really have anything to sure. I don't care. Come on. You'll, you'll, you'll find something to contribute. Yeah, yeah. But that it's a visual reminder to the people in the room 
that we're equals. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not outside the circle. I'm not um, just looking in. No, I'm part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. My degree is just as valuable as yours. My voice is just as valuable as yours. So people always talk about, oh, I'm trying to get a seat at the table. No, literally sit at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and yeah. just keep that in mind um, and add add to the conversation. Whether and, and there's no harm in saying, you know, excuse me, I didn't catch that. Can you repeat that? Like just adding your voice to the conversation. Sometimes people feel like if they don't have like some prolific thing to add, that it's better not to say anything. Right, right. You you want your voice to be heard. You want your opinions to be heard because that's what people are going to take with them when it comes down the line to think about decision making mm-hmm. and things like that. So those would be probably my my couple of my biggest pieces of advice. No, thank you. I mean, if you put a lot of that together, what you were saying, I'm just I'm just the wheels are turning as I'm thinking. Um, affirmations are so important, and then. Yeah, I think you like you said, you have to you have to do a lot of the work before you even get there, I would say, too, you know, um, not only just building your confidence, but also making sure that you have the knowledge and the skill set so that when that opportunity does come, you are you are prepared. But, yeah, I'm not going to say any more because I'm going to leave it as you've said it because you phrased it so well. So anyways, thank you for that advice. Um, so we're transitioning. I have, I have other questions, but I won't be mindful of the time. So we're transitioning to our Mad Minute segment. So minute rapid fire questions don't have a lot of time to think about it so i'm coming with them you ready yes i'm ready i'm ready all right favorite workshop slash experiment to run foam gnomes hands down okay my favorite you got it all right my bad yeah explain it explain it what it is our quote yeah yeah so if you're not familiar with it it's a it's a quick demo that shows all the different signs of a chemical change happening so you start with two little bitty liquids and you pour them in a cup and you stir it up and then it expands, but you get to learn about things like a catalyst and you get to see bubbling and feel the heat. It's an exothermic reaction, but it's just a, such a great visual tool to teach so many different concepts. You, you can teach density from it, intermolecular forces, uh, the, how it varies from a physical change. So it's like hands down my favorite um, thing to do. And I'm probably the one I've done. I don't even know how many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most influential mentor. Uh, Denise Brown Thomas. Uh, she was a colleague turned mentor who had a career as a chemist for 44 years. She's now an author and she, I mean, she is always so supportive and that advice about networking came from her, uh, about making sure that people know who I am, what I do, and I added a piece to that, where do I see myself going? Mm. Um, and so she hands down favorite mentor. Greatest accomplishment to date. I know that's a tough one, but. <laughs> so I, it's not actually, just okay. because my, my greatest accomplishment now is sitting right behind me. Um, so this is a, this painting was actually created um, to be featured on the cover of Analytical Chemistry. Um, and so this just happened recently. Um, it was on the February cover of Analytical Chemistry. It was the first of a series that are going to be highlighting um, women of color, people of color um, that are also scientists to um, bring light to diversity, inclusion and equity issues that exist in this um, in this space. And so it literally came from a tweet. I tweeted, happened to tweet during Black and Chem Week, like, oh, you know, I'm a chemist. I do this. And then like my final tweet. I just said, oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm an artist. And then the the editor from analytical chemistry reached out to me and said, hey, I have this idea. Would you be interested? Is this something you'd want to do? And I was like, sure. Let me, you know, I sketched up some things. They loved it. And then, you know, fast forward years, you know, less than a year later, it's now it's my actual copies over there just came in the mail this weekend. But um, I'm just like so proud of this, this piece, what it represents. It's going to be auctioned off in a a few months. So I'm a little sad about that because I won't have it anymore. Um, But I hope it lands in a a place that other people can see it and be inspired by it. um, Because 
to me, this is this is why I'm doing all the things that I'm doing with Steam Forward is to give that that imagery um, and allow someone to um, see themselves instead. Got you. You touched upon this already, but, but I'm still going to ask it. So greatest piece of advice you have received or your personal mantra that keeps you motivated? So the greatest piece of advice, like I said, was that piece about networking. Yep. Um, and I would also say she also added a, a, a piece about not being afraid to fail. Like, don't let failure be the thing that's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the mantra that I now live by, so I'll answer both of them. The mantra that I now live by is just a you know quick reminder to myself of what, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. it is find your passion, pursue your purpose, follow your dreams. So it becomes really easy for me to decide if I should be doing something. If someone brings me something, you know, as an opportunity, like, oh, you want to do this? Does it align with those things? Mm. If I can say yes, then I should be doing it. If I can say no, then it's like, eh, maybe I, I will, maybe I won't, but it won't be a priority. So that's where I'm at now. Got you. If you could leave our audience with one thing or nugget of wisdom from our time and or from your time and experience so far as it pertains to STEM, STEAM advocacy, what would you say? Uh, it actually goes back to that idea of not being afraid to fail, mm-hmm. right? Inevitably, you're going to fail at, at something in life, yeah. right? But it's not about you failing. It's how do you, what lessons do you learn from that and yep. pick yourself back up? And how do you, how do you reset yourself? That's one thing. And, you know, don't let the fear of failure stop you from applying for certain things. Um, there's a study out there like women, excuse me, men, they could have like 10 out of 100 qualifications on a, on a, you know, a job announcement mm-hmm. and they're going to apply. Women could have 80 out of 100 and they won't. So we need to just, you know, don't be worried about the fact that they, what if I don't get picked? What if you do, right? Mm. So don't let fear of failure stop you from going after something that you think you deserve or want. Because there's always still a lesson to be learned. If I didn't get it this time, I guarantee the next time I apply, I'm going to get it. Right, (laughs) right. No, for real. All right. So the ring the bell segment, that definitely one, that mad minute was not a minute, but it's all right. It never is. Um, So, but the, so the ring the bell segment, these are the same two questions that we give to every guest we have on the podcast. So what's one piece of advice you would give your 16 year old self? So 16 year old self, uh, don't be so focused on trying to be cool. Focus yeah. on studies. Like, like <laughs> the coolness will come later. Focus on studies, like keep your GPA up high. Cause those, that stuff matters. Yeah. And then you already answered this. Uh, but what's your why? What's my why? I mean, I want to inspire the next generation. I want to. I want people to feel comfortable in STEM. And quite honestly, I want to be the next Bill Nye. Yeah. And so yeah. I want to. And I want to encourage people and show them that scientists can look like me, and yeah. you don't have to be stuffy and uptight about it. Like I want people to see general appreciation for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, and recognize it's everywhere. Without yeah. it, we couldn't be having this conversation right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just mm-hmm. want people to appreciate it and not be fearful of it. Wow. Look, thank you. Um, that was amazing. I'm happy that we got a chance to finally connect um, and do and do this podcast. But I appreciate you taking the time because I know you're extremely busy with so many different things. So, but I know you're doing all of them well. So we uh, yeah. we are glad to have you. So thank you again. Thank you. It was a pleasure to sit down and talk to you. Look forward to connecting again. Yes, sounds good. All right, look, have a good rest of your day. Awesome. You too.